Hello, I am Pastor Nicholas Wright of Covenant Love Christian Center. I invite you to join me now in the Word with Pastor Nick. 2021, year of eternal life. Hallelujah. Let's turn to uh, three scriptures this morning to begin with. Genesis chapter 2, Genesis 3, and Revelation 22. And you Lord, and in the early stages of what we're doing here, one of the things that we are working on is getting our minds accustomed to hear this word life or hear eternal life, everlasting life, and make sure that we have it in its proper context, that we're not thinking about just a duration or a period of time, but we're actually thinking about a quality of life, the God kind of life. So that's what we're working on right now. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is present, pleasant to the sight and good for food the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the tree of life was where? In the middle of the garden. Genesis 3, verses 23 and 24. Therefore the Lord God sent him, Adam, forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from where he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And then Revelation 22. Revelation 22, we'll read verses 1 and 2 and then we'll go to verses 16 and 17. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. It's the tree of life in the presence of the Lord. And then he said that tree had leaves it was for the healing of the nations. Hmm. Interesting. So just as we go along, we're just going to put scriptures out here and stuff is just going to start jumping on the <laughs> inside of us, man. Okay, verses 16 and 17. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hears say, come. And let him that is a thirst come, and whoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Now, of course, all these words that we're looking at right now in the New Testament particularly are that Greek word, zoe. And so, this is the, the crux of the matter where God is concerned. Now, we've read from Genesis and from Revelation. And everything in between there, <laughs> life is a big deal where God is concerned. You notice it started out with the tree of life. And we're going in with the tree of life. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. So that means that life is a big issue where God is concerned. It's very, very, very important. All right. Now. Just a slight review here. We're going to discover that all the Christianity, the church being in Christ, health, wealth, etc., is about is life via righteousness. Everything that we have to do with, we're going to find out that it has to do with this God kind of life. And a very important associate is the righteousness of God. All right. There's a vital connection there. All right. The father's plan all along was for man to be a partaker of his life and divine nature. This is important. It wasn't God's will just that we get saved as we call it. 
but it was his plan all along for man to be a partaker of his life and his divine nature. That's very important for people in the church to get a hold of. We're not just got some kind of, you know, salvation that we're going to live forever. That's a fact. But it's bigger than that. God, his plan has always been that we share his life and his nature. Now, that, that gets big in minds of people when we start digging into what his life and his nature are all about. And when we start seeing what's in that life, what is in him, because he is life, then it's like you can't help but want to delve into that and especially after understanding the fact that it's his will and his purpose for us to share in his life and his nature. All right. Now, the church will never figure out its own Christianity until this is understood. We'll never figure out what Christianity is supposed to be about until we understand what life is about. All right. There are a couple of scriptures I'm going to touch on here. Second Peter chapter one, verses two through four. And then 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. 2 Peter 1, verses 2 through 4. These are scriptures, guys, that if, if you are not, if a, if a believer is not dealing with the things that we have dealt with over the years, people bypass scriptures like this because they don't know what to do with them. They don't know what to do with them. And, and a lot of times they stir up arguments and dissent in the church because people just don't know what to do with it. Or they just, they don't know what to do with it. They argue over it or they just pass by it. But here Peter tells us, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and our, and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given to us so that means it's already been, been, been doled out. Oh, already given to us. All things. Can you say all things, please? All things. So not one or two things, but all things what? That pertain to life, zoe, and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory, called us to glory, called us to glory, called us to glory, called us to glory and virtue. Whereby, wow, wow, okay. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be what? Partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Notice that's going to happen. That happens right now in the world. Not to go to heaven, in the world. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. All right, so he said, I've given exceeding great and precious promises that by these exceeding great and precious promises, we become partakers or sharers in the divine nature. That is the life of God. So we, if we've named the name of Jesus, we, are, we become partakers of the divine nature through those promises that God gave us that brought us into his life. Hallelujah. So now we found out this word life, everlasting life, eternal life, the different um, you know, ways that this word is used is zoe, the Greek word, life as a principle. This is how it's defined. Life as a principle, life in the absolute sense. In other words, life in which there is no death, no darkness, nothing that is bad is in this life. And this is what's inside of us. Hallelujah. God's, God came to live inside of us. We're the temple of God. So life as a principle. Life in the absolute sense, life as God has it, that which the father has in himself and which he gave to the incarnate son to have in himself and which the son manifested in the world. From this life, man has become alienated through the fall and of this life, men become partakers of through faith in Jesus Christ. So Adam lost it in the garden. But Jesus came to get it back to give it back to us. All men that don't have the Lord, they're alienated from this life. But the way to become a friend with the life is to get back in and receive Jesus as Lord. You get back in it and you become a partaker of the divine nature. Now, check these scriptures out. First John three, verses 14 and 15. And then in chapter five, verses 11 through 13. 1 John three, 14 through 15. We know that we have passed from death to Zoe 
Because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life, what? Abiding in him. So now look, this is not just a duration of time, but it's a quality of life on a person. Somebody that is walking in death does not have eternal life abiding in them. Now, we're inside of a building, all right? This pew, it's a piece of wood and some cloth. It's in the building. But it's not abiding here. Living things abide. That's right, living things abide. That's right, living things abide. Life abides. You live in your house. Your table doesn't live in your house. It's there, but it doesn't live. You're in there, and when you're in there, you're moving around. You give life to the house. You're moving around in it because you dwell in it. See, so this life is not just a time frame. It's a person. It's a quality of life. Hallelujah. And even though it says eternal life, notice that eternal life is living in you. Hallelujah. It's living. That life is living in me. 1 John 5, 11 through 13. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is where? In his Son. Notice, he that has the Son has life, or has that eternal life, and he that has not the Son of God has not life. This makes our preaching and teaching simple. Because if we let sinners know what the major issue is here, you ain't got no life if you don't know the Lord. If you have not received him, you don't have his life. If you don't have his life, you're not a part of his family. But if you come in, you receive him as Lord, then you become a partaker of that life and a partaker of the divine nature. Now, see, the church has got to rise up here because I'm going to tell you, everything in the world, all the time, people everywhere, young people, old people, people have been around for a long time, people ain't been around very long. There's something about the inside of us and, and I believe it's innate, it's inborn because God meant for it to be in man. Something inside of us has a hunger and a thirst for supernatural stuff. Why do you think there's all these superheroes and all this stuff that men and women have come up over the years and written things about? Because there's something inside of man. There's something inside of us that we just know. There's something supposed to be supernatural in our lives that goes beyond just the natural that we live in and walk around every day in the earth. There's something powerful that's supposed to happen in our lives. That's right. And I believe that's innate in man by God, and, and, and men just don't know how to find it. And we're, we're the agents of that life. So this year, this is going to be real big in us. And the bigger it is in us, the bigger it's going to be when it comes to us dealing with the people out in the world because we're going to be able to guide them towards what God really wants them to have. Yeah, he wants people saved. We use that word saved. I found something real interesting in my studies over the years. And I'm Africa, I brought this Bible with me because I heard a, a preacher preach on this years ago and talking about eternal life. And it's a, a, the Syriac New Testament. And from what I've come to understand that these transcripts are some of the best that we have because they hadn't been messed with. But one of the really interesting things that they do with the Syriac translation is that the word that we would use for save in the Greek, or we would understand to be saved, they use life. For instance, we take Romans 1, 16. Um, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Well, they, they translate it this way. It's the power of God unto life. And so, and it just doesn't make so much sense. It's like, wow. I mean, it is the catch, we're right on with this. So, because when we receive the Lord, yeah, we get saved. But it's bigger than just, you know, what, what we would see as salvation. We have received life. And so that's the way they translate it. And that's the way we should be talking about this. 
When we receive the Lord, we receive his life. And then what we have to do is start getting curious about this life so we know who's in us, <laughs> what we've got inside of us. And then when we relate the, this to those that don't know the Lord, we're giving them something that's going to touch nerves on the inside of them, and they're going to realize, you know, they're not just trying to get me to come inside of a church and get some money. <laughs> they let me know that God has set something aside for me this bring me into a realm, like we read in 1 John 3, that we passed from death unto life. We've changed locations in the spiritual realm. And we've left the death realm, and we've come into that place where God lives and resides and who he is. See, we're carrying these explosives around on the inside of us, and we don't know much about what's in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now, I'm, I'm, I want to... Touch a little bit here before I get to what really the meat of what we're going to mess with today. But this is good in passing. There's some specific reasons for why Jesus came. I like to, and I've learned over the years, to deal with this book as literally as I possibly can. And to look for some very specific things. So we might talk about, well, you know, Jesus came to do such and such and such. Well, there are scriptures that tell us specifically why Jesus came. Don't you think we should know those? Yeah. We should know why the master came, right? Okay, so let, let's, let's look at three particular reasons for why he came. Let's look at Luke 19, verses 9 and 10. To me, these are things that are important when it comes up to us standing for our faith and being able to explain things to other people. Understand them for ourselves and then be able to explain things to other people. Yes, no, maybe so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Luke 19, 9 and 10, Jesus said to him, this day is salvation. Of course, Murdoch will say this day life has come to this house. But anyway, for as much as the son, as much also is the let me start again. This day is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man is come. So he's about to tell you why I came. All right. The son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. So that should always take us back to the beginning and take us back to the Garden of Eden because that lets us know what was lost. Right? All right. So he came to seek and to save that which was lost. What did man lose? Well, man lost his union with deity, period, point blank. He lost life. He, he lost his hookup with the Most High. And then everything else that was lost, you know, is a byproduct of that. But the major issue is that man lost life, lost the presence of God lost everything that came along with that life. So Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. All right, why else did he come? Let's look at uh, 1 John chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. I like it when I can look at somebody or hear what somebody is saying themselves as to why they're doing something. Jesus told us why he came. All right, 1 John 3, 7 and eight, little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose. The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So he was manifested to undo what the devil did. What did the devil do in the Garden of Eden? Somehow he got into man and got his death into man and pushed life out of him. So, the, so what Jesus did, he came. He was manifested that he might destroy, bring to nothing, make impotent what the enemy did, so it would have absolutely no power at all. All right? Then John 10, 10. Verses 9 and 10. John 10, 9 and 10. 
So Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And then, of course, in this course of this year, we'll see this scripture a whole lot. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly or to the full till it overflows. <laughs> this is what it says. This is why I came, that we might have this life. So, guys, we don't need to get off on a bunch of tangents. We get the root of things and then we go out from there. He came that I might have life. Everybody in here knows the Lord, don't, don't they? All right. So what happened to us when we received Jesus as Lord, God himself, his life and all it is, his baggage and everything, he came and brought it to live on the inside of each of us. Yeah, he's in heaven, but he's inside of us. And when he came to live in us, he didn't leave a thing behind. All of who he is is inside of me right now. He in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, eternal life is the life and nature of the Lord. What does this life consist of? What are some of the characteristics of this life? Let's start moving in this direction now. This is just good, Lord Jesus. I, st I started weeping this morning. I guess I got a little overwhelmed, and I'm, I'm kind of feeling it right now. Because I look at these scriptures, and especially the anchor of what we're going to look at right now, and I got to thinking, my God, it's like, where we been? Now, I'm not going to be negative, but I think we got, we're supposed to be preachers of righteousness, those who are called to preach and teach. And the very substance, the very basis of what God wants his people to know, the knowledge of it has been released so little. But we're going to help that change. In Jesus' name, we're going to help that change. Now, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. I know we read a few verses there, but let's read some others that are with it. My God. <laughs> From verse 1, Simon Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. And notice this is through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us. Now notice, we, you gotta, don't let this get away from you. He's called us to glory and to virtue. <laughs> wow. So he, he, he called us to glory and to virtue. This is important. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence. Now, he's about to break down for us some of the character qualities that are a part of this glory, virtue, and life of God, divine nature. All that means the same. Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance, patience, to patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity, or divine love. Now, I'm going to not going to take time right now to, to break these things down. We've done this a number of times in this church. We may come back to it later on as we go along. I don't know. But you can do that. 
But the point I want to make here is that these are character, qual character qualities and char characteristics of the divine nature that he's telling us that we need to incorporate in our experience. So these things are in us, but they have to be developed, drawn out of. We have to be educated. We've got to draw this stuff out and up here to where it becomes useful. That's part of our responsibility as Christians. Even though this life is in us and God wants to live through us, he's not going to just come bogart and go, come elbowing through our lives and, and push his way out. We have to renew our minds and bring our bodies into subjection. So it becomes our responsibility to look at these things and then start tapping into them and let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God help us to develop. This is one of the problems in the church and with God's people. They just kind of think God's going to do whatever. And it don't work that way. People in God's house got to learn that. He doesn't just automatically do stuff in and through you. He's working in you. But then he says, we got to work out our own salvation. We got to work it out. Work it out. Work it out. It's in. We got to work it out. So that means I got to take these. I got to look at them. I got to have to give definition to them and then make it my aim to walk them out in my daily living, develop them. I will come up against situations in life that will challenge me in all of these areas, but that's when I start living that way and I start, oh, oh, temperance is in me? Oh, oh, divine love is in me? And I come up against a situation that challenges that. Well, now I'm looking to the inside, what I've seen in the scriptures and what God has helped me in other situations, and um, all right, now here we go. Okay, let's, let's, let's walk this out keeping this process of mind renewal and transformation so that God and his life are seen in me through my speech and my actions. And as I stay committed to that, I'm going to keep developing. Because just like pushing, it's like just pushing weights. You know what? It might seem like a, oh, I've been doing five pounds and that's wonderful. Okay, let's double it, 10. Oh, it's going to be a little bit more resistance. Ah. But you know, I got to keep pushing. <laughs> and if I keep pushing, keep working with that, then guess what? I'm going to be able to handle it 10 pounds. And if I keep saying, you know what? I want to grow some more. And we hit 15. Oh, oh, look at there. I can handle more. See, so we got to keep developing. And this is the way he puts this. He said, so giving all diligence, add to your faith virtues. The virtue knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godless, godless, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, divine love. For if these things be in you, and they are, and abound. Notice. Abound. Not just in you, but abound. They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in what? The knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, these things represent the knowledge of God because they represent who he is. And if I am developing them and I allow them to have an abundant place in my life, then what's going to happen, I'm going to grow in the knowledge of God. I'm going to understand how he would deal with situations if he were here in my place. Cool, Lord. But he that lacks these things is blind. Can I see afar off? And he's forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, steadfast. What were we called to? Glory and virtue. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For so an entrance shall be ministered to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Well, to God, we had preachers today that were in this, that would do this. But some of us got to know this first <laughs> before we can do that. 
Here's what Peter said. He said, I ain't, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to put you in remembrance of these things. He said, you might know them and be established in the present truth. And he said, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, I'm going to remind you of these things. All right. So now, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Let's look at this scripture that some of us have had put before us since early days of our Christianity. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, that should be, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now, the Holy Spirit himself Let's put it this way, to make it real simple. Our union with the Holy Spirit is how fruit is developed in our own lives. These are already in God. But as I fellowship with the Lord and with his word, and as I look into what's put, put on the inside of me, this stuff starts to develop in my life. Let me ask you a question. All right. There's some people, we, we, we may know that joy is a part of our Christian lives. But a lot of times in our lives, we're not walking in it. Tell your face that, okay? Sometimes you ain't walking in the joy of the Lord. <laughs> right? But yet that's a part of God, and that is in us. But we have to learn about that because the joy that we have, Jesus said, I'm giving you my joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So he's saying this, this stuff belongs to him. But it has to be developed in our lives. So I got to first find out what it is, and then I've got to walk it out, put it to the test. And when there are times that I feel like I have no strength, I have no vitality, I have no, I don't have that, you know, I got to, you know, walk it out until I learn that no matter what goes on in my life, this joy is my strength. And so I'm pushing towards the point in my Christian life where I'll never be weak where that's concerned. That's the aim. And not only that, but the aim also is since this is the fruit of my recreated spirit, then I want to have that fruit come out of my life so it can be seen and others can come take some of that fruit off of my tree. Yeah. That's part of what Jesus said, we're to bear fruit. Amen. Okay. Now, 1 John, no, John 1, 1 through 4. And I meant to put 1 John 2, 8 through 10. So John 1, 1 through 4, and then 1 John 2, 8 through 10. Oh, Lordy. We've been called to glory and virtue. God bless you. All right, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. In him was Zoe, and Zoe was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. So in him was life, and that life is the light of men. <laughs> so we start paying attention to this life, stuff starts lighting up on the inside of us. And then he goes on to say, the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can't do nothing with it. So in his life is God's light or his glory. Chapter 2 of 1 John, verses 8 through 10. 
We all right? All right. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. He that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no occasion of stumbling in him, in him. So now, this is something to know, too. Life, light, and love. They're all interwoven. Love and light come out of this life. Now, the glory of the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Glory is defined as to be weighted down and to be heavy with everything that is good. You're going to listen carefully here. And we're going to read some scriptures because we're going to find out something this morning that some of us really, really just did not know. This glory is both the inward presence and outward manifestation of God's life. Glory is the treasure now resident in these mortal bodies or these earthen vessels, as the scripture technically puts it. That mirror that we look into, which is the face of Jesus himself, Paul contrasts this glory and its place in the Old Covenant versus its place in the New Testament. This is why this gospel that we have is called the glorious gospel of Christ. Now, this is going to make all kinds of sense. And it's very important, especially when we read. I, 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 I started thinking and I don't, 2 Corinthians is a book that is probably a whole lot more important than we thought it was. Because I looked at, I thought about the way that the first letter that he wrote to them, as far as we know, 1 Corinthians. And in chapters 1, and, and especially chapter 2, in chapter 2, Paul talked to these, he, he started to introduce to them the Holy Spirit. And him living on the inside of us. And the fact that the Holy Spirit, when he came to live in us, he came, he brought everything. He said, nobody knows what's going on inside of the Holy Spirit but the Holy Spirit. Nobody can know what's going on inside of you but the Spirit of God. But then he, he, he came all the way through that. And then he, at verse 16, he said, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. He started in that chapter to, to go off into some of the, the stuff that God called him to bring to the church. But then he got to chapter 3. And he said, now, our brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, as unto babes in Christ. And I fed you with milk, not with meat, because you weren't able to handle these things. Because there's envy, strife, and division among you, I had to deal with you, basically, as babes. And through that whole book, when you look at the rest of that book, you have maybe chapter 12 and chapter 13, he talks about love and talks about the manifestations of the Spirit. But for the most part, he left chapter 2, verse 6, right there. He cut it off. But when he comes back to 2 Corinthians, when he comes to the second letter here and starts to break stuff down, man, he starts to take off. And I believe that he picks up where he couldn't go before. And so we go into 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read what I, what I read here. I want to read it again before we start reading these scriptures. The glory of the Lord. Glory is to be weighted down and heavy with anything that is good. This glory is both the inward presence and outward manifestation of God's life. Glory is the treasure now resident in these mortal bodies or earthen vessels, that mirror that we look into, which is the face of Jesus himself. 
Paul contrasts this glory and its place in the Old Covenant versus its place in the New Testament. What we have, the Bible calls the glorious gospel of Christ. All right, get your Bible here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We may not do all this today, but we're just going to slide along in these scriptures because this is something that's so important to us in talking about the life of God and talking about this gospel that's been given to us. What we see in the Old Testament, how Paul contrasted that with the New Covenant. All right, so we're going to start. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is of the heart. Now, I just got the Holy Spirit is just some kind of teacher because he'll start, he'll say something and then he'll just start breaking things down. Now, he introduces what he's going to do. Talk about this New Testament and this Old Testament and talking about the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit of God wrote on those tablets of stone. What do you think he was referring to there? Okay. What he did with Moses, right? All right. And then what was written and inscribed on the inside of us. Not on tables of stone, but on our hearts. He goes on and says, and we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, all these, he just he uses different, different terms to express the same thing. Do you catch that, the way he talks? I love it. I just love that. Because he covers so much ground in a few words. But he says that now we're not sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiencies of God. And he said he's made us able ministers of the New Testament. Say New Testament, please. Okay. Able ministers of the New Testament. So he's going to start to tell us what the New Testament consists of. It's not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but what does the spirit do? He gives all right, so the old order, and you, if you probably read stuff about the law, you know what that worked on the inside of you. It couldn't bring life or salvation to anybody. All it could do was remind them that how short they came of the, the, the short of the glory of God. But now, since we have the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit gives life, something the law couldn't do. Even though the law was good, it could not give life because it could not do anything about being inside of anybody and change them from the inside out. But now we have this ministry of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit gives life. See, we're life givers. I'm going to say it again. We are Zoe givers. We are life givers. So we are to release life as we minister to others. We, we give life. That's why our words are so important. That's why our countenance is so important. That's why our attitudes are so important. That's why knowing this is so important. Because we're givers of life. Not condemnation, not judgment, but life. 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 God's life. We're givers of life. All right, let's read because he's going to make some things so clear. Verse 7. But if the ministry of death, written and engraven on stones, was what? Was glorious. Now, hold up. He bringing this word glorious into the picture. This is important. See, and folk don't know, don't know 
they should leave this alone. It's too important to mess up. If the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Now, even though this is an old covenant guy, yet from being in the presence of God, this glory was on his face. But these people couldn't, couldn't look at it and keep gazing in it. And he had to cover his face, but that glory started to fade. But it was in his face. It started to fade. 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 It started to go away. Why did it have to go away? Because it wasn't permanent there. So this old order, even though glory was all in it, yet it was limited in what it could do in the life of a man or a woman. Could only be external. But yet it was glory. It was life because it's God's. All right, let's keep reading some more. How will the ministry of the Spirit be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Now look, he keeps bringing this word glory up and talking about this new covenant. So you can't tell me that this word glory is not important. This is what makes God heavy with everything that's good. And he's trying to tell us that this is what this new covenant is all about. And the Holy Spirit involved in it is bringing us this life and this glory. We here? For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is more glorious. So what was on Moses' face was passing away because it couldn't stay. But this one on this side is more glorious because it can remain because it's inside. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of that which was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. This is important. So that veil is gone. In Christ, we can see clearly. In Christ. In Christ. This is why this in Christ stuff is so important. In Christ, we can see clearly. Okay? But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on the face, on the heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When one turns to the Lord, the veil's gone. So what can we see if the veil is gone? We can see the face clearly. We can see the face clearly. I'll say it again. We can see the face clearly. Okay, that's going to be important. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now check this out. But we all... With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, what are we beholding as in a mirror? The glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So there's a transformation going on on the inside of us 
because this glory and this life lives inside of us. Just like we were talking about in 2 Peter chapter 1, we've got to develop and allow these things to grow and come inside of us. Well, the Holy Spirit is here. Give, he's given us life. And what he's doing with this life is taking us from one degree to the next in our experience. So that this glory that's on the inside of us is having more expression. Notice he said, we are beholding, looking in a glass, like in a mirror. And we have faces that are unveiled. No veil. Face. Moses was veiled. Ours is unveiled. All right, now let's read some more from chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, what ministry? What ministry do we have? Hmm? Yes, that's true. But let's just stay in the context of what we've read. What ministry do we have? Remember, Paul said that we've been made able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And then he started talking after that, started talking about this glory. So what is the ministry that we have? And he said here that what the Spirit of God does, the verse right above, chapter 4, verse 1, that he takes us from one degree of glory to the next. See, we go from glory to glory as by who? The Spirit of the Lord. So then he says we have this ministry. What ministry do we have? We have the ministry that we're joined in with the Holy Spirit in, in giving life or giving this glory of God. Making this plain to the people. That it's not of the letter of that old order, and even though there was glory in it, it couldn't be inside anybody. We have this new order where we have this, this everything that makes God who he is. It's inside of us, and we're to minister that to other people. This is the ministry we have. This is what he said. <laughs> Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we don't lose heart. He said, like, I'm going to just go to this one. How, we can't lose heart. <laughs> this is what's inside of us. I can't lose heart. He says, oh, my God. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But notice, but if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has done what? Shown in our hearts. Why? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that's in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure. <laughs> we saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What treasure do we have inside? Thank you. That's what, we, that's what we have in here. We have this treasure in here. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, not in despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. Struck down, not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life, also, life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. 
And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes. That grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So that's the bottom line of what he's saying here is that all of what God makes God who he is has been deposited on the inside of us. Now, he said we can push through all this tribulation, all this stuff we're dealing with, being struck down, not destroyed, being beat up, being run around all over the place. He said we're not even going to lose heart. Why not? Because of the treasure that's in these earthen vessels. Now, see, I know there's a whole lot to put together here, but it's real simple. We've got the Holy Spirit in us. He's a life giver. And the life that he's talking about, this life is the glory of God. And his glory is in the face of Jesus Christ. It wasn't Moses' face, couldn't be transferred, but it's in Jesus' face. And now we get this thing working inside of us, and we get to go from one degree to the next because of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Now, when we start looking at these things and realize who's in us and what's in us, just think for a moment. Think of all the different manifestations of God's glory that you can think of that happened through the Old Covenant. Think of all the pictures that you have. We got... What is it? A cloud by day and a fire by night. We have somebody whose presence um, took off the wheels of those chariots, made them roll square, so to speak, as King James put them. We have them being kept by that power. We have them going 40 years, being fed, taken care of. Shoes not wearing out. How'd you like to have a pair of shoes for 40 years that stayed new? <laughs> you think about the prophet on the mountain with his servant, and you think about all them folks that came out against him, and his servant got nervous, and he said, Master, Look at what's going on. He said, don't worry about it. He said, what, there's more to be with us than be with them. And he opened his eyes and there was a ring. See, there, and, uh, and, we, and this is one of the things that we gained from the Old Testament is looking at all these different manifestations of God. And then we look at something that Paul said right here, and he said, now check it out, y'all. All of that and all of who he is is now deposited inside of you. And it's because the life of God brought that glory along with it. So, folks, this is where we are. I mean, you know, yeah, and looking into what's inside of us and then challenging ourselves to tap into it and to be manifestations of that life as the Spirit of God takes us from one degree of glory to the next. we got a treasure on the inside of us, inside of these earthen, mortal bodies. If that's not a miracle of God, I don't know what is, Amen. that we can be carrying him about on the inside of us in these mortal, death-doomed bodies. And you're not fried to a crisp? You're not a post-crispy critter? And we get to be ones who can release that.
through our hands, through what we say, through how we think, through everything that we do. We want to thank you for listening to today's message. For additional messages and as a way for Pastor Nick to bless you with vital information, downloads, and gifts, please visit our website at myclcc.com. We invite you to join us again next week for The Word with Pastor Nick.